Hey guys, welcome to What's the Word? Today we're talking about how Christians should handle a new presidency. And this really will relate to any presidency, not just this one. And uh, I want to jump right into that. First things first, uh, put it in the comments who you are, where you're watching from, and uh, want to say hello to you. Uh, share the broadcast, like, subscribe, please subscribe, and uh, hit the little bell button so you get notifications when we go live. Also, what we'd really like for you to do is go to, we'll put this uh, link on the screen for you, uh, go to whatsright.com, and right below the first picture there, it actually shows you kind of keep me in the loop. And that way, no matter what's going on with any technology, uh, we're able to get in touch with you. We would love to be able to uh, keep in touch. Let's jump in right now. How Christians should handle a new presidency. It's very interesting. Uh, we have a lot of people that are wondering that right now. And let me give you the ultimate answer right off the bat. I want to tell you this. How you should handle any presidency, any presidency whatsoever, no matter who it is, whether you like them, don't like them, whatever, how you should handle any presidency is for in your intimate fellowship, to press in right now. So the number one thing for any believer is for them to press into God. I don't care if you like them, if they're godly, if they're ungodly, makes no difference. Hey guys, thank you for telling me where you're watching from. And uh, it makes no difference who you are, press in to Jesus. That for any Christian, that's what you need. Why? Because in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to look at is, and, and the next thing is uh, on my list is, look, there's no promise that has been gained or removed by a new president going into office. In this age, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. There's no promise that all of a sudden ceased because of that. No, and see, now if I live as a Christian by the world standards, then all of a sudden I, have, I might have reason to worry. But we don't live by the world standards. We're in the world, but not of the world. We have a different set of government. And when we live by the promises and the character and nature of God, all of a sudden you start to see that doesn't move me. My position one day is the same to the next. No matter if it's a good person or a bad person in office, a godly person or an ungodly person, my position's the same. The Lord loves me. The Lord loves you. He's made you promises to give you a future and a hope for you to fare well. And he has no plans for your calamity. That's a promise. That's his character and nature. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you no matter who's in office. Our key is to press into Jesus, press into those promises by faith, grab a hold of those promises and make them yours. Make them personal. Grab a hold of them and see that what shows a lot of times when we have a change, uh, one of the things that shows when we have a change in, in an office is it shows us how much we're actually uh, relying on who's in that office instead of relying on God. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But first thing, press in now. The second thing is recognize that none of the promises of God are now null and void. None, of, none have been added, none have been subtracted. They're all still the same. And uh, praise God, we have a foundation that is sure. Put that in the comments, please. As Christians, we have a sure foundation. As believers, we have a stable foundation. We are built on the rock of Christ. He is our cornerstone. That hasn't changed. And uh, that's one of the things that people need to see. They need the hope that's in you. They need to see the hope. You know, I believe right now you may have some believers 
who are sitting there who are celebrating more than ever about a change in presidency. You may have some other believers that are, that are down in the dumps about a presidency. What do both groups need to see? Both groups need to see you haven't changed. You still have hope on Christ and He is your source. He's your foundation and that will start to minister to people. Now here's the other thing. I love this. You know, the outcome hasn't changed. Watch this. God, anytime a presidency changes, anytime uh, there's a presidency change, there's an office change, all of those things, listen to this. Uh, God knew all of this was going to happen. He still prophesied that we win. <laughs> we win. You win. If you're a believer, you're on the winning team. That hasn't changed. You are still winning. And uh, God saw this. He said, hey, this is what's going to happen in this year. This is what's going to happen. Who's, here's who's going to go in. The outcome hasn't changed. Glory to God. The outcome hasn't changed. And uh, put that in the comments. My outcome as a believer hasn't changed. Amen. My outcome as a believer hasn't changed. We're still winning. <laughs> we win. We're still winning. That's that's. One of the great things about God is I can, all this stuff, remember, you know, I can be attacked like Psalms 91, you know, a thousand fall at my left, 10,000 at my right, you know, but I will be saved. I will be kept. I will be protected. That evil will not come near me. No plague will come near our dwelling. Get that as a reality inside of you and start to realize my outcome hadn't changed. Glory to God, my outcome hadn't changed. All right, now let's look at this as well. You know, and, and just think about that. Think about this on the timeline. God saw everything, and I said this already, but I want you to see it in a different way. God saw everything that would happen in your life, everything. He would saw every leader, every good one, every bad one. He saw every one of them, and still in this book, he prophesied, you win. And, and it doesn't matter. Okay, well, I thought this person was going in, or I thought this person, I really wanted to see this, or I didn't want to see this, or whatever it is. That doesn't change what God already said. You win. <laughs> Nothing's changed. The outcome hasn't changed. And uh, now, it may be you may have more or less persecution, but here's the issue. Uh, are you, do you derive your protection based off of more or less persecution? No, you shouldn't. Do you derive your protection based off of the laws of the land? No. Where is our protection? In whom is our protection? It's in the Lord. And so you start to see, I am, I am in God's hands. I am protected. I still have a book of promises to me. I'm in his family. He has no plans for my calamity, and I will not have any tragedy. I will not have any calamity, right? You start to see God is the same no matter who is in that office. His promises are the same. All of them are yes and amen. I said it before, 2 Corinthians 120. Now, one of the things that we want to look at, and I want to give you some more details on what to do, is uh, one of the things that people really have struggled with over time is, did God put this leader in? If you ask the majority of Christians, it's been preached to them that God puts those leaders in. And one of the main verses that comes from is Romans 3, 13 and verse 1. Romans 13 and verse 1. Another one's in Daniel 4, 17. And uh, basically in Daniel 4, 17, you have a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And Dan Daniel interprets that dream. And in that dream, it says that God put uh, the leaders in, whether they be a high leader or a low leader. Now I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but one of the things that you see is this. In the Old Testament, there's, there's always been this challenge in the Old Testament specifically about a permissive case of a verb uh, or uh, uh, one that, in other words, is God doing this or is God allowing this? And one of the things I want to bring up to you is in Psalms 115, I believe it is. Verse, I believe it's verse 16. Um, or, yeah, I believe so. 
And uh, one of the things it says, it says, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. And so what you see is that God allows people to go in. But let me give you this. Let's go to Romans 13, 1, because I think this is where it's been preached, maybe a little bit out of context. And let's look at it. It says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Now, many times our mind goes to those which exist, the leaders which exist are established by God. But the subject of this sentence and of this verse is not the leaders. The subject is the authority to lead. The authority to lead. And so the subject of the verse is not the leader himself, the individual leader. It's the authority of the, uh, to lead. So now look at this verse again with that in mind. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority like a government given an authority in a land, nations rising and falling. There's no authority except from God. And those which exist, those authorities, are established by God. So it's not saying in this verse specifically that the leaders are put in by God. It's saying there's an authority there. And then uh, you see that God gives us choices. For example, whose, whose hands is the earth in? By God's own sovereignty, he has given the earth into the hands of mankind. And so mankind determines where it goes. Now, I've already covered this, but the, the Lord already shows us that even though mankind is going to make some good choices and some bad choices, we win. We win. There, there will be an end-time harvest. There will be a, a, a great harvest of souls in the end time. There will be, after that, a rapture and a tribulation and a tribulation period. And you'll see where it is rough. And who allowed this to come in? Mankind gave the wrong authority to the wrong people, and it allows ungodliness to come in. But then Jesus comes back, and we win. <laughs> it doesn't change that. We win. And so what I want you to see is even though man chooses good and bad authorities, and maybe the church, uh, like, for example, King Nebuchadnezzar, this was not a godly man. This was, this was an evil man. He's out there. He's taking over kingdoms. He's doing all this stuff. He's mistreating the, the Jews. And uh, you see this man. But here's the thing. What the Lord does is he puts the authority in the church. In Matthew 28, it talks about, you know, all authority has been given unto me, Jesus says. And then he says, go therefore. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm transferring all of my authority and power. I'm ta I've taken it all away from the devil. I have all that authority. And now I'm telling you, the church, go and handle business. Another uh, parable says, occupy till I come. You know, you are an ambassador to speak the things, to pray the things. One of the things that we've seen, and this is a major issue in, in today's climate, is that the church has been asleep. The church has been asleep. And what did we see in the last year? Truthfully, in the last year, we saw the church sleeping. They were fine to sit at home, to not, uh, they were fine to forsake the assembling of the saints. You have a church that's been asleep. But now it's time for an awakening. It's time for that awakening. It's time for the church to wake up. Listen to this. It's time for the church to win souls, make disciples, and pray and worship God. It's time for them to come up to the glorious church, the triumphant church, to not be held back. And, and so it's time for that church to be who God's called it to be. In Romans 8, it talks about uh, this is... This is the earth groans, longs for, and desires the sons of God, the manifestation of the sons of God. Not just for people to say, hey, I'm a child of God. No, for them to be children of God who are acting as 
powerful, glorious ambassadors, the glorious church on this earth. The earth longs for it. It's looking for the church to wake up. All right. Now, does God put a leader in? Uh, Does God put every leader in? The answer to that is no. You watch even in... um, Even in Kings and Judges, the book of Judges, the book of Kings, God didn't want kings, but Israel pushed him. He pushed him. He pushed him. In other words, the actions and thoughts of man pushed it till God said, this is not the best for you, but as you want it to be, I'll allow this to happen. And kings came in. Look at this verse. Watch this. Hosea 8, 4. This is, this is the Lord talking. They, ha, they, hear this, they have set up kings, but not by me. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have appointed princes, but I did not know it. With their silver and gold, they have made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. They have set up kings. See, the people set up the kings. God allows the people's choice to come into being. He allows the church prayer or lack of prayer to have an effect. And uh, one of the things that you look at is like this. Look at the prodigal son. The prodigal son was asleep on who he was. He was asleep on what he had. The prodigal son was sitting there in um, in all kinds of deception, let's say. And he wasn't diligent. The prodigal son wasn't diligent to know who he was, okay? So what does the prodigal son do? Basically, and hear this, let's tie it into today. The prodigal son goes to the father and says, give me all my blessings. Bless us, bless us, Lord. But then I'm going to go do what I want to do. This is a great picture of the church and where it has been. Lord, bless us. Heal us, deliver us. Lord, do all of this stuff. But, I, you know, do I need to meet in this last year? Do I, and you know, well, you told us to get together, but, you know, it's a, it's a different year. You know, where's the church? Where's the church at? And if you watch in Timothy, it says that the church is the pillar of truth. The pillar of truth. In other words, the church upholds the truth. And remember, if we, if we walk in truth, then we will be free and we'll, have, we'll be free indeed if we will walk in the truth. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. The pillar of truth sets up our freedom or lets it down. And when the church needed to stand up the most in the middle of uh, darkness and deep darkness, the church, for the most part, sat down. And, and it has an effect. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. The church is designed to uphold the truth. You know, does God put leaders in? No. But does he allow them to be chosen and put in by men? Yes, he does. And so he allows, does he allow the prayers of the church to affect the world? Yes. Did the father in the prodigal son story allow the prodigal son to go do what he wanted to do? Yes, God didn't make him come back. Nope. But what happened? That prodigal son got into such a point where he was sitting there and he was looking around and he realized, this is not my inheritance. (laughs) This is not my inheritance. I feel the breakthrough of the Lord. Because when people get it, well, I want the church to hear this. This is not our inheritance. Our inheritance looks glorious. We're talking about the glory of the Lord on you. And when the church gets, this is not my inheritance, all of a sudden we're going to rise up to another level. You're going to, just like the prodigal son, it says he came to himself and he realized, hey, even the servants at my father's house have an inheritance better than this. Even the servants at my father's house have an inheritance better than this. This is not my inheritance. And he went home just to receive a servant's inheritance. But when he got there, all of a sudden he realized the father came rushing to him. And and his father basically said, son, I've been waiting for you to return. It's time for the church to awaken. 
It's time for the church to awaken to their Father's love and awaken to their inheritance and rise and be that glorious church. Hallelujah. And so when the church starts praying and acting and being, being what they should be, you'll see this start to happen. Proverbs 29.2 uh, in the New Living it says this, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. And all of a sudden you'll see that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, who they are. If they're not godly, it's not going to bring a rejoicing to the people. But if they are godly, it'll bring a rejoicing to the people. And then what, what do we want? Do we want people that agree with us or do we want people that are godly? Put that in the comments as a question. Do we want rulers that agree with us and, and help out, you know, let, let me ask this question, then we'll put one in the comments. Do we want rulers who agree with our thinking and help our worldly state, or do we want godly people as a priority? See, a lot of times, because what we realize is godliness is always going to help me better than anything else. See, when God and His Word and His standard, His Word is your standard, you'll start to recognize, if I walk godly, I'll always be blessed. So the question is, do I want a ruler who supports what I think, or do I want a ruler who is godly? You know, and a lot of times we'll say, we'll say, well, you know, uh, this person, I don't, I don't agree. Which person, which, which, um, let me just ask this, which lawmaker, which lawmaker is perfect? Which lawmaker uh, is do, has done everything right? None of them. None of them. Which of us, you, me, which of us has done everything right and is doing everything right right now? You know, uh, I don't know anybody that's doing everything right. I've never met anybody that's doing any, everything right besides meeting Jesus. He's the only one that got it all right. And so one of the things that we'll look at is we'll, we'll pick apart different pieces of men and say, well, this isn't godly, this isn't godly. But then we want to go to their ruling and see, are these rules towards God? Let me tell you something. You have a ruling to kill babies. That's not God. That's not the Lord. That is not the Lord. I don't care how you cut it or how the devil has twisted it in your head. That is not Jesus. Killing the innocent and killing babies is not Jesus. They dealt with that demon in the Old Testament called Moloch. And, and you have to understand, yeah, even Kevin says, even David, the great king, he messed up. Listen, you got to understand that there are moral laws. And you want to see somebody who is standing for those moral laws, standing for Israel, standing, standing up against abortion, standing up over these things. These are godly principles, right? Um, which person have you met? Uh, and then, you know, anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into what candidate is the best candidate here. But at the same time, we want to understand, who should we support? Should we support the one who supports my thinking or the one who supports godliness? It should always be the godliness because the one who will do that will bring the blessing to the place. And so what we see is that when the church wakes up to their responsibility, then this Proverbs 29.2 will come into effect. The church will start to pray and the prayers of the saints will bring about a change. It will expose corruption. It will bring about an exposing of all the ungodliness and all of a sudden the godly uh, candidates will rise to the surface. But see what happens. This is a funny thing. I've always seen this in our primaries. Did you know the most godly people are voted out in the primaries? Watch it. Watch it. The people who actually have God and are walking with God, most of them are voted out in the primaries. And the reason is because people say they're, uh, they're not, um, you know, they're, they just don't have the support. Well, the reason they don't have the support is because we've thought that way. 
Right? If we got to say, listen, Lord, whoever's godly, this vote is my seed, and I'm planting a seed in you. And I don't care if the whole world votes for another person. I'm going to vote for the godly person. And as I vote for the godly person, my years in, during this term will be a harvesting of a godly vote, <laughs> of a godly vote. And that's what we have to see. And if the church would think like that, Believe like that. Pray for the godly to be what's going to happen. The people rejoice. The people rejoice. Remember this. Anytime you have a change of presidency or a change of an office, never celebrate ungodly decisions. Never celebrate ungodly decisions. Whether they are your party or not. Whether they are in the party that you support or not, I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, or some other. If it is an ungodly decision, it's an ungodly decision. I've watched every president make decisions that were ungodly. Presidents I liked, presidents I didn't like. And I've not stood for those. I've said, hey, that's a wrong decision there. Right? In other words, don't support ungodliness. I, a lot of times when a presidency changes, you see a lot of Christians actually celebrating ungodliness because that Christian or, or that leader is in their party. <coughs> you don't support. Now, I'm not saying that you don't support the person. You know, if, if the whole of who they are is, is a godly leader in, ter in terms of what they actually do, and the laws that they make, then you support that godly platform. But which one of them is going to be perfect? And which one of them is going to do everything perfect? But a lot of times I'll see people, they'll be supporting a ruler simply because of their platform, even when they step into ungodliness, even when they, even when they say the wrong things and, and they cuss and they're, and they're uh, vile and, and different things and not holy, they'll be happy about that and they'll support it. That is not godly. Support the godliness, not the worldliness. Put that in the comments, please. Uh, Support the godliness, not the worldliness. You know, uh, champion the godliness, not the worldliness. Never celebrate ungodly decisions. And one of the things that we really need to do is, is this. When you have a new presidency, check our trust in man versus our trust in God. Many times when people see a candidate go from what they don't like to what they like, or what they, what they like to what they don't like, that person's world is just almost crushed. Like, I mean, they just, what is going on? They're in, they're, they're concerned, they're unstable, they're, they feel the pressure, the, it just isn't going right. And what's actually happening is, it is actually a revealing of who they trust and what they trust. See, when a person and a believer trust the Lord, it doesn't matter what changes in the office, that, that foundation is the same. But when you feel the pressure or you feel the elation of it, you're right, one of the things that you have to say is how much every believer should check, what am I trusting? Am I trusting the world's office or am I trusting the ultimate office? You know, put that in the comments. Am I trusting the world's office or am I trusting the ultimate office? One of the things, and, and I wrote this, no presidency change should change our joy and our peace. No presidency change should change our joy and our peace. No presidency change should change our joy and our peace. In other words, every change, our peace and our joy should remain the same. That's why I can come on here today and, and I can be joyful. I can be joyful whether I like the presidency change or I don't like it. I can be joyful. I can have my peace. I've had peace throughout this whole process, this whole election process, in what I consider to be one of the craziest periods of time I've ever seen in my life. I've had peace. Why? Because my peace is founded on God, not on the office. 
My trust is founded on God, not on the office. My joy is founded on God, not on the office. And that's what every believer should be able to have. You know, does the office change? change things that happen in your life. Yes. Okay. So let's say that an office change uh, changes your persecutions. Let's say that the change of the presidential office changes your persecutions. And you believe, and maybe uh, have, it's already been proven, that those persecutions rise because of the change of the office. Well, who's your protector? Did your protector change? Just because persecutions get greater, our protector doesn't change. Right? He says, I will keep you. Lord, I, I, I'm not going to take them out of this world in John 17. But keep them from the evil one. That's the evil one that brings little persecutions or the evil one that brings great persecutions. We're still kept. <laughs> We're still kept by God. Put it in the comments. We are still kept. Glory to God. So we have to check, is our trust in man or our trust in God? Our joy and our peace is always found in Christ. And hear this, love is our source. Love is our source, right? And, and one of the things that you see in, in Corinthians is that, you know, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Faith worketh by love, right? Love is our source. And a lot of times what you see is when somebody doesn't like a change of a, of a worldly office, then what they feel like is they have to manifest their own source. They have to uh, bring something into being. They have to force it. This is actually the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. I think it's in Matthew 11 uh, where he's talking about uh, John the Baptist was the greatest uh, before men. He's saying, look, he was the greatest, but the violent take it by force. In other words, they're going out and they're trying to force what they want to happen. They're trying to force godliness. They're, they're trying to bring it about by their own power but not in faith, hope, and love. Love. Love is our source. In other words, we don't move because we are making something happen. We move the same way Jesus moved, because he has led us. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He only said what he heard the Father say. And so what you see is that you see that when Jesus moved my love, he conquered the world. He conquered the universe. But when men all throughout history have moved because they think something needs to happen, it's all come to nothing. It's all been vanity, right? But when we move by love, we win in that way. But a lot of times the issue is love is going to take us back to God. It's going to say, God, I don't have to be the source here. I don't have to be my own supply. I don't have to be my own provider. You are perfect love. And I trust what will separate you, me from your love. You know, he gives a list in Romans 8, and it's all like death and demons and all this really, really bad stuff. What will separate? Will, will a change in presidency separate me from the love of God? No. <laughs> no, it won't. Let, I wrote this. Love is our source. That means we put faith in God, not man. We put faith in God, not man. Love's our source. God's our source, and God is love. We don't put faith in another man or an office. We put faith in God. God's our source. In other words, we're drawing from that source. We're drawing from God, not that position. We're not drawing, we're not drawing from the government. We're drawing from God Almighty, El Shaddai, right? We're drawing from Him. That means we put faith in God, not man. That means, what will man do that will separate us from his love? Nothing. Many times our response has been based off of fear and, our lack, and truly our lack of trust in God more than our, our trust, uh, more our trust or lack of trust in man or gov government. In other words, we've had a lack of trust in God more than we've had a lack of trust in man, more than we've had a lack of trust in government. And because of that, because many times our lack of trust in a man or in an office or in the government has made us go and do something God never said to do. 
But if we will remember, what did I start this out by saying? I started out by saying, press in to Jesus. Press in to Jesus. Press in to Jesus. And as we press in to Jesus, in Him we live and move and have our being. We don't press in to, to actions that God hadn't told us to. No, as we press into Him, He'll show us what to do. He'll show us where to be. He'll show us what to avoid. He'll show us what to say. He'll show us our salvation. Glory to God. Now, here's, here's the last thing I said on that. When love is our ultimate source, fear is cast aside. When love is our ultimate source, Fear is cast aside. Perfect love cast out all fear. Now, here's a question. All right, let's say that we have a new presidency, and I don't think that that office is godly. Should we obey God or the government or man? What should we obey? Now, it's very interesting because we just read Romans 13.1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. So well, a lot of people have even argued in the past year, like, well, you've got to do what the government says. Well, that's not the full counsel of the Word. You know, the same book that that's written in has multiple places where they said, uh, do we obey you? Or do we obey God? <laughs> you know, uh, let's look at these. Acts 5, 28 and 29, it says, We give you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. Excuse me, I said in the same book. In the book of Acts it's written, do we obey God? But I want to give you something about the book of Romans uh, that will help you. He says, We gave you strict orders to not continue teaching in this name of Jesus. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. In other words, when men's law crossed God's law, when man's law crossed God's law, there was a standing up for God instead of, instead of those men. In Exodus 1, 16 uh, and 17, and then verse 20 through 21, watch this. Pharaoh was the, the government. Pharaoh represented that. And he said, when you're helping the Hebrew women to give birth, and you see them on the birth stool, if it's a son, then you shall put them to death. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but they let the boys live. And then in verse 20 it says, So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty, because the midwives feared God more than they feared man. And watch what he did. It says, For the midwives he established households for them. Now, you, you go on to look throughout the Bible, just a few, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Esther, all standing up against governing authorities because they crossed the line of God. Now, some people would take this and run into a ditch, and they think, yeah, we need to overthrow it. That's what Romans 13 uh, was saying not to do, that you don't, you don't just run out and overthrow it by violence. You let love lead you. The love of God will lead you. The love will show you what to do, when to do, how to do it. And at times there may be a, a, a chance where there is a governing authority that has completely rejected God. And yes, the Lord will tell people and empower them to raise up a nation like the U.S. was raised up in that time. But you have to hear it from God. Love must be your source. But many people that use Romans 13 uh, as, as their source of we got to do everything that God says. You know, for example, this past year, they didn't want the church to assemble. That's contrary to the law of God. He said, forsake not the assembling of the saints. It's completely contrary. And yet many church leaders sat down and didn't even, didn't even challenge it. You know, didn't even bring it up. That's their job to challenge when things are ungodly and to stand and to fear God like these midwives did, right? And truthfully, I believe it caused some death in certain areas because they didn't stand up for what God had told them to do. But in Romans 13, who's the writer of Romans? The Apostle Paul. Do you realize that the Apostle Paul was jailed because he was going against what the ruler said to do? 
Do you realize, watch this, that Paul, it was actually, it's actually a historical fact. It was against the law for Paul to convert Romans. And yet, the very book of Romans is written to the church that he helped to convert. <laughs> he converted Romans. He was actually, he, he was saying, what am I supposed to do? Not obey God? And so Paul wasn't saying that there was never crossing of those laws. Paul was actually saying, but you do it in the love of God and you follow his commands. You fear God more than you fear man. Let love be your source. What do we need to do when there's a change of presidency? We need to pray. Put that in the comments. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray, right? We need to get serious about our prayer. You know, you call a prayer meeting at a church. It's one of the most least, it's one of the least attended meetings you'll ever have. But you'll find out who's actually hungry. You'll find out who's willing to do the work for the Lord, right? We need to pray. 1 Timothy uh, 2, 1 through 3 says, First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I want you to know one of the first things that happened yesterday as we had a new president enter into office, I, I spent time with the Lord praying for that new president. I spent time praying and lifting him up. I prayed that the will of God would be done in his life on earth as it is in heaven. I prayed that he would see so clearly what is God's will and what isn't God's will and that he would be strengthened with all might to make it come about. I prayed that he would get filled with the Holy Ghost if he's not born again, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire. Do you know what that could do for this country? What if all of the church stood up and prayed for the salvation and the filling of, of the Holy Spirit in our president, right? Pray for those leaders. And the Lord makes you promise if you will pray and you will pray for those leaders, you will have a tranquil and a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. He says this, Pray for the will of God to be done. Your kingdom come, Matthew 6, 10. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray, Lord, bring your will about in this country. Let us not sit back. Let us not be in a sleep church. Let us be awake, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let us wake up. To, to you, Lord, let your will be done in this country and let your will be done in this earth as it is in heaven in Jesus' name. We need to pray and we need to pray in faith and we need to not let up. And watch this. See, some people may say, man, I just feel like I'm captive in my own country. What does God tell us to do about that? He says, pray for the place of your captivity. That's the context. Jeremiah 29, 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. In other words, even where you're in exile, seek the welfare of it. And he says, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. In other words, the place where you feel like you're captive, if you will pray for it and it raises up, its welfare raises up, your welfare will raise up with it. So pray for the leader. Pray for God's will to be done and pray for the place that you dwell in. And now, press in now. Press in now. Press in now. Press into Jesus now. Press into Jesus now. Now more than ever before. Why? Because, because we have a new president? No, because it's a new day. Press in now because we have a new uh, uh, regime change? No, because it's a new day. And we have a responsibility to God to press into Jesus. And in Jesus we live and move and have our being and you will be blessed. And your neighbors who don't know God will be blessed. And the people around you and your work will be blessed. Press into Jesus now in Jesus' name. Press into Him. Press into Him now. Press in now. Now, I can't say it enough. Press in now. Press in now. Press in now. Press in now. Glory to God. 
Tomorrow we're going to talk about some more important topics. But just to cover what we talked about today. See, in Him we live and move and have our being. No matter who's in the office, no matter who is there. In Him we have life to the full till it overflows. In Him uh, we move. We know where to go. We have provision to get there. In Him we have our being. Anything we need to come into being will come into being as you and I will press into Him. Press in Him as a list of things to do once you have a change in the office and a new presidency. Number one, press in now. Number two, uh, recognize or, or come to the revelation that all of the promises of God are still yes and amen. Number three, have the revelation. The outcome hasn't changed. We win. Number four, know. Uh, never celebrate ungodly decisions. Number five, check our trust in man versus our trust in God. Six, Make sure that love is your source, which means we follow, follow God and put faith in God, not the world. We obey the authorities, num, uh, number whatever it is. We obey the authorities unless they cross the morals of God. We obey the authorities unless they cross the authority of God or the morals of God. Next one, pray. Pray for the leaders. Pray for God's will to be done. Pray for your placement. Pray for the place. And I'll remind you again, press in now. That's what to do. When we face a change in our situation, when we face a change in our world, when we face a change, we press into God. We make sure we know what the Lord says, what the Word says, the promises that we have, and we will walk and be glorious. Then you will have what Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3 shows. Darkness and deep darkness will be on the people, but my glory, he gives it in context, will become your glory, and you will shine in a dark world. I'm telling you that right now, Christians, believers, arise and shine. And Listen, share this video. Share it on Facebook. Share it on YouTube. Share it on MeWe. Share it on Twitter. People need to hear this message. They don't need to be uh, falling back. They need to be pressing in in Jesus' name. And Father, we just praise you for it and we worship you and we give you all of the glory. One of the things that we do when we press in, we don't just press in in our prayers. We don't just press in uh, in our Bible study. We press in in worship. Worship of God doesn't just include when we raise hand. Worship also is when we sow. We want to press in in our sowing. We want to press in in our worship. You know, this, this broadcast is given to everybody free. You don't have to pay a thing, and I don't want you to pay anything. But if God, if, if, hear this, if God has placed it on your heart, and you say, I need to support this message. I need to support this message today. I need to sow into it. I believe, and I need to walk in the things that Brian talked about, then you have that ability to sow. On Facebook, you can type in hashtag donate, followed by the amount, or you can go to giveww.org, and you can give one time, or you can partner with us. But anybody who's sowing, Lord, there's God has given you promises. When we worship Him, right, what we're doing is we're honoring God. And when we honor God, God makes it clear. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, those who honor me, I will honor. And I just want you to know, our honor of God versus God's honor is not the same. <laughs> when He honors, it's a different level. It truly becomes what we gave pressed down, shaken together, multiplied, running over into our lives. So if you choose to sow today, either on Facebook or at GiveWW.org, believe God, and we're going to pray right now for it, that it would be pressed down, shaken together, running over into your life. Father, for everybody who might be sowing today, Lord, let it be blessed. Let it be overflowing. Father, let it truly be pressed down shaken together and overflowing, Lord. In other words, Lord, pack their life with so much harvest that they can't even hold it all, but they got everything they could get. Lord, let it be such a supernatural harvest and let it overflow. Father, we praise you. Thank you, Joni, for that seed.
Lord, let these seeds be blessed. Let Joni walk in a supernatural increase, a supernatural harvest. Lord, let, let everybody who sows, Lord, let it be multiplied supernaturally now, fast, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And Lord, I thank you that, that they're not given under compulsion. Lord, they're given as you give them that utterance, but they are truly looking at you and saying, and this is the heart we should have all the time, Lord, do I need to sow right here? And then you just follow his leading. He'll show you exactly what, because he knows what seeds need to be planted today for the harvest tomorrow. He knows what's coming up. He knows what we need. And so he will prompt our spirits. You need to sow today. So don't be hard hardened towards that, but be open hearted. Let the Lord write on your heart. This is how I want you to worship me today. This is how I want you to worship me at each time. Thank you for that seed, Kevin. And uh, Father, we just thank you. Lord, thank you for preparing us for tomorrow. Thank you for this word on what to do for every believer. Thank you for every one of you that's standing with us in every way. And let that overflow come to you. Like Paul said in Philippians, uh, let the grace that's on our lives and on this ministry, let that supernatural grace and abundance overflow into your life. Walk in healing. Walk in prosperity. Walk in protection, restoration, deliverance. Lord, let that supernatural grace overflow as they partner through their sowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for being. We'll be back tomorrow. It's going to be another important topic. Tomorrow at 1130, Lunch Plus starts at noon. We'll have What's the Word? Here's Barrett to tell you more as we go out. I'll see you then. Hope that you enjoyed this Lunch Plus broadcast. We will be back, as Pastor said, tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. with another brand new episode of Lunch Plus. If you don't yet follow our page or are not subscribed to us on YouTube, take this time, do that right now, and sign up to be notified anytime we go live so that way you never miss any of the content that we have here for you. We designed this for you specifically in mind, and we want you to have every bit of what God has told us to give to you. That being said, we'll be back tomorrow at 11.30 a.m. with another brand new episode of Lunch Plus. We love you. Be blessed in the name of Jesus, and we'll see you tomorrow.